You're listening to the Blended Family Podcast, a weekly show with a strong focus on strategies and methods to help your family thrive. Blended families face many difficulties and challenges, which can sometimes drive families apart. The goal of this podcast is to help your blended family grow together through these challenges to create the peaceful and loving home you desire. Here is your host, Melissa. Thank you for joining me on episode 63 of the Blended Family Podcast. I'm really excited to bring you an interview today with a fellow podcaster. We'll get to that in a minute. I'm a little under the weather again. You might tell from my voice, but don't worry. The interview is fine. I recorded that on another day. I don't know what's going on, but both Sean and I have been sick three times since mid-December with the same illness. It just won't go away. I've already had two rounds of antibiotics, and this is just getting crazy. Anyway, I just want to remind you to please share my message with others. If you find this show valuable, spread the message. I'd love to be able to reach as many blended families as I can. And when you rate and review me on iTunes, it helps others to find me too. My latest five-star review comes from Velvrose, and she said, Sometimes I feel alone and am unsure if my decisions are moving us in a good direction. I want to be the best stepmom I can be. Your openness, support, and advice are really helping me thrive. So thank you so much for that review. It always brightens my day to get positive feedback from you all. So please, if you have a moment in your day, I would love to get a review from any of you. I'm also on Twitter, Facebook, and we also have a private Facebook group. We actually just got a whole bunch of you to join that group this week, so thank you for that. Links are always in the show notes or visit the website at blendedfamilypodcast.com where you can find all of my information and links. Next week's topic, just in time for Valentine's Day, ways to connect with your partner. Now, let's get to the interview. Today on the Blended Family Podcast, I have the pleasure of speaking with Judge Susan Sexton. Susan Sexton is a former circuit judge in Tampa, Florida. In that capacity, Judge Sexton has served in all areas of the court, but over 50% of her time dealt with family law and family issues. Because of her expertise, she has been an instructor and lecturer in family law at both the University of South Florida and Hillsborough Community College, as well as at the Florida Conference of Circuit Judges and the National Judicial College. Most recently, she served on the family Family Law Rules Committee by appointment of the president of the Florida Bar. Currently, she's a member of the Family Law Section of the Florida Bar and a Florida Supreme Court Certified Family Law Mediator. Judge Sexton is a legal analyst on 970 WFLA Radio, as well as a blogger on Psychology Today. She's the author of Five Steps to Hiring the Right Divorce Lawyer. Susan, thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, thank you so much for uh, for asking me. I really enjoy your podcast, so I'm happy to be part of it. Thank you. I really wanted to have you on because all of my listeners have blended families, meaning at least one partner has had a divorce or is going through one currently, and the entire divorce process takes time and it can be very difficult. And I found your podcast, 50 Shades of Divorce, and I think it's really great what you're doing. I'm guessing that the podcast came about from experience your own divorce and also having the experience of being a judge. Can you talk a little bit about your own journey of divorce and then what led you to deciding to start your own podcast? 
Well, the podcast was kind of the, the, the apex of where I started. When I started in family court as a new judge, a newbie, I really kind of almost had no business being there because I was the youngest circuit judge at the time. I was still married. I didn't have children. My background at that point was not in family court. I had no professional nor personal experience with divorce. But And so people will say, well, how did you get assigned there? And the truth of the matter was at that time, all of the new judges got assigned to family court. So I know I, I tell people sometimes when they're fighting in their divorce, I, I, I say, look, you, the, the judge that you're in front of may not have any more experience with divorce than you do. Mm. So I started out in family court and then I did a guardianship, which is kind of a family type thing for many years. And then towards the end, I went back into doing primarily family court. And what amazed me was that in that interim time, because I was a judge for over 20 years, there had been many, there were many innovations in family court. Mediation was standard. People did parenting plans. There were uh, parenting courses. I mean, there were all these things. And yet it was as nasty as I had remembered. And I just could not figure it out. And so my friend, somebody that I met, she was a mediator, but ultimately we became friends. Uh, we talked about what was going on kind of from her perspective and my perspective, and we started writing a book. So when you write a book and when you do a book proposal, a lot of times they want you to have a social media platform. So that is kind of where the podcast came about. I'm a better, I think, talker like a lot of women than maybe a writer. <laughs> it, we, we like to give advice, but I, I think talking is, so podcasting was kind of a, a natural fit for me. So the podcast was kind of a marketing thing, but it was marketing a book that was the outgrowth of my personal and professional experience because in that also 20 years, I wound up getting my own divorce. Okay. So, you know, and that was a really stressful time because one of my um, aha moments in that was because I was, I was up for re-election, I had a number of personal things like a best friend was dying of breast cancer and um, all that kind of stuff going on, a kind of a crazy divorce situation with an extramarital affair, not mine, mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And yet I kind of felt like I could not spill over into, into a, a contested uh, case because of the fact that things are covered. Mine might wind up on the news. So what that did, Melissa, and what I think is important for people in divorce court, it gave me a boundary. I was not going to go down that route because I knew I needed to keep my job. And that was actually a good thing because I could have spilled over into a lot of the stuff that I saw in divorce court. I had the, the normal range of emotions. Right. Wow. Yeah. So, <laughs> so can you tell the listeners um, what they should expect from your podcast? Like what sort of topics do you cover and how it will benefit them? Well, the podcast is, of course, geared to women because I am a woman and I kind of understand that position. And it's really for the range of divorce because a lot of people don't realize that uh, post-divorce hearings can be as stressful and as, 
nasty as pre-divorce hearings. And that's when you get into, uh, are people having issues working out the custody and is there another party involved and all that kind of stuff. So it, it, the 50 shades came about because somebody was asking me, uh, is divorce law something that is uniform throughout the United States? I said, no, the issues are usually when you're in divorce court, you're talking about division of assets, the child custody and custody is a term that's not used everywhere. The issues are the same, but how they are handled varies from state to state. So that's the 50 shades. So there's a little bit of legal information, not advice. I can't give advice. I've interviewed some lawyers. I have people like you who have real life experience and who are talking about a certain niche. Mm -hmm. Um, I also want to get into kind of how to nurture yourself. Women, we don't nurture ourselves and we cannot really give to others unless we start learning to give to ourselves. That's true. And you do have experience with that because you've been through your own divorce. So you kind of get both sides, which is what I really like about your podcast. So in doing my podcast, I get lots of emails from listeners who are all struggling with similar issues. So with you being a judge, I'd like to know what is the most common struggle that you see couples dealing with in court? Are there commonalities or do you find that each case is very different? Well, you have to understand most cases are ultimately going to wind up being settled. Most divorces are settled. So, and of course you do have to go to court to get your divorce. One side has to go and get a judge to sign something that says you're divorced. So you will go to court. But when I talk about litigation or going to court, I'm talking about those hearings that are uh, one after the other or people in court constantly. So I find that if people are in court on those kind of things, litigating, there's something else going on. You know, they may say, well, it's because I'm here for the best interest of the children. And that now, now one of the things I want to say though, Melissa, is that, that, um, I'm talking about the what I call the the bell curve divorce, where there there are not any serious issues like drug abuse or child abuse, because those you can't deal with those on a podcast. I mean, those just right. are, you know you need help on a lot of levels. The garden variety divorce, like my divorce, if people are in court in a nasty battle, there's something else going on. What is it? Is it another party? Is it strictly money? Uh, it's really not in the best interest of the children because we know statistically that it doesn't matter if you win or lose. Fighting is the thing that really affects the children. So you have to figure out what's really going on. So what's at the bottom of it? Yeah. And would you say that um, a lot of couples do settle it with just a mediation well, uh, yes, I think um, mediation has changed dramatically since I first began, but it, it is now mandatory. Oh. Uh, lawyers can now become mediators. I kind of thought that when you had mental health people, it seemed to be there was a higher percentage of um, settlements, and I know I'm going to hear lawyers scream. Mm-hmm. And I do know some really good lawyers who are mediators, but I, I don't know. Maybe I, I don't know the exact statistics. But I think the things that are going to settle usually are probably going to settle anyway. Okay. So I'd also like to ask you, Susan, what is the biggest mistake that you see divorcing couples make and why? Well, I mean, I, I, 
to me, the biggest mistake is, is not having a boundary because uh, let's talk about it from the woman's standpoint. Men, usually if they're fighting in court, it's generally about money. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, now of course this is generalities with women. A lot of times we want to tell our stories. We want to vent in court. I know I did. I wanted to tell the judge what this man had put me through. And yet when I stopped and thought about it, I realized that that hearing or what with that money, I could buy not only a beautiful purse, a great pair of shoes. I mean, and I was going to ultimately get more enjoyment out of that because I know that a lot of times court hearings really don't change the situation. And that's going to surprise a lot of people because I'm a judge, but in other words, a lot of court hearings that I saw were court hearings that I wanted to do, that I wanted to do in my own case. And the hearing is about, can you change my ex or soon to be ex? There is not a court that can do that. Right. Can you make my ex? I, I remember this, this came to me because I was, I think we were still separated and I was, had made plans for my weekend type of thing. And he decided that he wanted to play in a golf tournament, turned off his phone, didn't show up and all this. I was fit to be tied. And I was kind of saying to myself, this is ridiculous. He's very irresponsible. He's not on time, blah, blah, blah. And then it hit me. I thought, wait a minute. That was the same as when we were together. He was never on time for anything other than sporting events. And so that's what I saw a lot in court. Can you change my ex? Um, the answer is no. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, what, you know, what I would think a mistake that people make is we bring our, our bitterness and our anger into the court. Like you said, it, this is why you're getting divorced in the first place. You obviously don't see eye to eye. You fell out of love, whatever it is, you're angry and you bring it into court and that doesn't really help the situation. It's not going to make anything any easier. And of course we understand why people are angry. I mean, things are, are tough, but definitely the court is not the place to bring the anger. I, I can see how that would make things tough. Well, you're not going to get any satisfaction. Yeah. All you're going to get is a big legal bill. Yeah. Yeah. And that we don't want. So um, I know many listeners may have already gone through the entire divorce process, but I'm sure we have some who are still in the trenches or even getting ready to start the process because I have listeners that are starting that too. So can you guide them a little bit on what to do first? Maybe take them through a small series of steps on what they need to do and what order to help make life a little easier. Well, I, I think the most important thing and the first thing you should do is try to get information about who is the right lawyer to hire. You, you do want to work towards, especially if they're children, towards something that's going to get you to resolution. And so how do you pick the right lawyer? I've interviewed a couple lawyers on my podcast, and I think they give some good advice and ironically, even though people have websites, a lot of times it's word of mouth. So if you know a friend who's been through a divorce, I would 
get a couple of names of lawyers that you are going to interview and keep that in mind. You are the one who is hiring the lawyer. So that's an important step. Even if you wind up mediating, you need, if you have any assets at all, you need to make sure that a lawyer looks over the paperwork just to make sure that everything is addressed that needs to be addressed. The second thing is to when you go to the lawyer's office, don't go in with a whole pile of papers and just kind of plunk it on the desk. Organize yourself. It's tough to do when you're in the middle of emotion, but you need to know that in Florida, we have what's called discovery. You have to turn over certain documents. They have to turn over, the other side has to turn over certain documents. Start collecting your documents, either electronically or, or a binder. I used to tell people, get an old-fashioned you know, three-ring binder and start collecting your stuff. Because what that'll do is it'll help focus your mind on what's important, which is the a division of assets. I mean, of course, children are important, but you need to have money once you're divorced. And it also helps when you go see the lawyer because you're going to take up less time, meaning you're going to pay less attorney's fees. Okay. Okay. So anything else with that besides the... Um... I think those are the two important steps, the organization and finding names to figure out the right lawyer. And of course, you know, Google search and that kind of stuff. Okay. Make sure they haven't had any um, bar complaints. You can do that online, et cetera, through the Florida bar. Got it. And then I'm guessing once you get your attorney, they'll guide you the rest of the way if you have a good attorney. So that kind of leads me to my next question. I wanted to talk about attorneys. And I know you have an ebook called Five Steps to Hiring the Right Divorce Lawyer, which is available in many formats. And the easiest way to get that, I noticed, is to go to your website, uh, susansexton.com. But I've heard you talk about not using lawyers for every little thing as it gets expensive. So I want you to talk a little bit about how to find a good attorney, which you just kind of went through a little bit, and also what you should really be using them for. Well, when you interview the lawyer, forewarned is forearmed or for, I think that's the way that goes, but you have the information and you have to understand lawyers bill by the hour, but by the hour means that they break it down. So there's a minimum charge for the lawyer. So even if you call for those petty things, what time is my hearing tomorrow? Okay. They're going to charge you for that. Mm. Lawyers usually have paralegals. Now in the old days, lawyers typically, they, yeah, they did have paralegals and they had a secretary. And a lot of times you would call the office, you talk to the secretary and the secretary's time would kind of be included in the kind of the overall billable hour that you pay for the lawyer. Now, a lot of times they use paralegals. Paralegals generally uh, charge about a hundred bucks an hour. Wow. So, and paralegals and lawyers email back and forth. They charge for that. So, I think an important thing is to find out how. First of all, this is my divorce. Here's my paperwork. How much do you think this is going to cost? What do you think if we resolve this? What is this going to cost? And a lot of times they'll say, "Well, it depends." Well, how about if I, you know, don't call you all the time? I provide the paperwork. What's a ballpark figure? And then use that, you know, use that boundary. Know that you are responsible. This is your life. These are your children. You can't put everything 
you know, the little stuff on the lawyer, you are going to get charged for that. And, um, it can add up. Believe me, I, I paid full price for my divorce. I know, uh, I, I can remember giving a retainer and a retainer is generally what lawyers require to hire them. And so what they'll say is give me the retainer and any money that you wind up owing me over the course of this will deduct from the retainer. And if there's anything left over, you get a, a refund, which I, I don't think I've ever seen a refund. Yeah. And I can remember giving my attorney a retainer. I don't recall what it was. I, I want to say like $5,000 or maybe 4000 I don't know. And it was like in one month it was gone. And I was not on the phone all the time. So um, you need to really figure out how they bill and be very cognizant that every time you pick up that phone to call the law office, you are going to be charged. Okay. That's great information, really. So moving on to judges, what's the process of judge selection and what do people do if they don't like their judge or if they don't think their judge is being fair? Well, take the last part first. Most people, we used to say that if you are in a contested divorce hearing and both sides go out of the courtroom mad at you, you've probably done the fair thing. Uh, most people, if they are litigating their divorce, meaning the down and dirty, they're going to think you're unfair because they're, they're, they're in an irrational state. So there's a difference between, do you think that, do you like what the judge has done or is, is there some real bias, uh, of the judge that you think needs to be addressed? If you don't like what the judge has done, well, maybe you should have settled because you, if you don't settle, you're not going to like what the judge has done. If the if the if the uh, settle, you know, if the decision is fair, if um, the, if you think the judge, I don't know, if the judge has said something inappropriate, we've had examples of that. Um, you know, something that let's say sexist. Well. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't think when a child is two years old that the dad needs as much time, let's say something like, cause people have said stuff like that. Well, that man could actually file a motion to have the judge remove himself or herself from the case because of a bias, a sex, you know, sexism okay. bias. Good. But, uh, you know, it's not very often successful, but as far as judges, they are usually elected Circuit court judges are usually elected, but if someone like say retires or has health issues and has to resign in the middle of a term, then the governor will appoint a judge until the next election. And if someone runs against that judge and wins that they will be the new judge. If the judge doesn't have any opposition, they will keep the job. Okay. Okay. So now, Susan, you're in Florida, but I know that laws vary from state to state, like you said, and you seem to be very knowledgeable about all of this. So I want to know if there's a good resource for people who are trying to find out their own state laws, where can they go to get information on that? Or is it just really they should just contact their lawyer or is there something online they can go to? There's just a lot of stuff online. I mean, um, there's a um, website, it's a sponsored website called findlaw.com. Lawyers pay to advertise on that, but they will, you, they'll, you'll just click on divorce, click on your state, and it will kind of give you an overview. Each state uh, has 
a website that talks about the the laws in that particular state. But sometimes it's phrased in ways that are not easily understandable. But I think fine law is pretty easy to, to read. And then I think when you get the lawyer, two or three lawyers, go on those websites because I have found some really good information on law on uh, websites that lawyers have. Okay. And that was find law is F-I-N-D-L-A-W.com? Correct. Okay, good. Because I'm going to put that in the show notes for the listeners too. Okay, so Susan, we're reaching the end of the interview. I want to know if you can give the listeners any final thoughts or words of advice. Well, my final thoughts, because I am on the other side of this, my son is now 21. (laughs) He was four and a half when we first separated. And so I want you to know that it does help to sort of If you're with a partner or you're in a divorce action with someone, then you say they're just acting like a child, then that only leaves one person to be the adult, and that's you. And sometimes you just have to suck it up for the good of your child. I sucked up, I think, a lot, but my son has a good relationship with his dad, and he has a great relationship with me. There is an end to this if you want there to be an end to it. So I hope that everybody will listen to that and and realize uh, if they're listening to your podcast, they're people who are kind of more thoughtful, I think, about divorce. So hopefully that will will help them. You can get through it. I did and you can too. That's great advice. And what is the best way for people to find you and connect with you, Susan? Well, if they want to, they can go on 50shadesofdivorce.net and leave a comment, or I cannot give specific advice, but if there's a, something that's of interest, I'd love to um, to talk about it on the podcast. Okay, that's wonderful. It was such a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you for coming on. Well, thank you for in- inviting me, Melissa, and I look forward to continuing to follow you on Blended Families. Great. And listeners, as always, all of Susan's links will be in the show notes. And if you or someone you know is going through a divorce, you've got to check out her podcast, 50 Shades of Divorce. She's got tons of valuable information that you need to know. And you can also grab her ebook. Again, it's called Five Steps to Hiring the Right Divorce Lawyer. It's available in many formats, but just go to her website and it will link you right to it. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please send us your feedback to Melissa at blendedfamilypodcast.com and join us next week for another episode. Until then, have a fantastic week. Bye. You have been listening to the Blended Family Podcast. For more information, please visit the website at blendedfamilypodcast.com. Remember, to create the peaceful home you desire, all you need is love.